<clears throat> okay, so we got both of those things going and we can start. So welcome to all of the lovely devotees that are joining us. Um, today we are going to be interviewing Bhakti Shakti from Bulgaria. And um, I'm going to start by reading her bio and then we'll just kind of launch into our, to our interview. Um, so Bhakti Shakti was born in 1976 in Varna, Bulgaria, in a family of a, with a Bulgarian father and mother who is half Ukrainian, half Russian. So she has a lot of different, a mix there of different, well, similar cultures, but different. She grew up in a communist Bulgaria and studied in Russian language schools and graduated with a master's degree in economy. <clears throat> she speaks five languages. I just find that so impressive since I can't even really speak one language well. So <laughs> anybody that speaks more than one language is always mystical to me. Um, she made a career in IT where she found that material success was unsatisfying and she was looking for spiritual solutions. So she was very fortunate to have a boss who became a devotee and she connected her to the devotees in 2001. And they actually started a temple together. That's really far out. And later on um, their mission split into, and she started a temple alone two years later. So she left her job and started um, spiritual tours to Vrindavan and other places in India and some South American tours as well. So she's been spending a few year, few months every year in Vrindavan and a month or two in South America and other countries in Europe. She is divorced. She's living with her 12-year-old son, Gopinath. And she has started a small community of Sri Chaitanya Sangha, Bulgaria, and have it, she has a temple in Sofia. So a very nice little biography. Um, and so we're gonna be looking at Bhakti Shakti's life through the lens of um, what we've been doing, looking at it through the lens of um, a hero's journey. Um, and the idea of seeing Asadaka as being a true hero, I think it's just so helpful because it, it has been helping a lot of the devotees to understand the suffering in their lives as being something that has really helped them to become better, better versions of themselves, so to speak, and has upgraded their devotion in so many ways instead of seeing it as failures or setbacks or Krishna doesn't love me, but it's, you see it and, you know, any, any great person, even in, you know, in the material realm or in the spiritual, they go through adversity. There has to be adversity. Otherwise, how, how else do we grow if there's not challenges that come into our lives in different forms? So, um, so that's the, the lens that we want to be looking at your story through um, and really seeing it as the true, you know, devotees are true heroes because they're not just giving um, a material solution to material problems, but we're giving 
comprehensive solution to all problems forever. And so that's really what a hero is, is somebody who is helping people on every level, not just, you know, on the level of their body or their mind, but on all the levels and spiritual as well. So I'm going to ask you my first question, which is growing up, did you have any clues or ideas about anything looking back now that would have pointed that you, you know, in your life that you did not, you weren't met for just the ordinary material life that you had some higher purpose? Mm-hmm. Pronounced to all the devotees. Um, yeah. Um, actually, I don't find something special, I would point, but I've been um, reading a lot of uh, Russian classic literature and uh, somehow it's very idealistic and uh, Guru Maharaj also quotes uh, Dostoevsky and Solzhenitsyn and uh, it like hits me straight in the, <laughs> into my heart when <laughs> because I'm very connected exactly with that type of um, background and uh, somehow um, uh, Tolstoy also, Gulgakov, all those uh, writers somehow uh, have this ideal in the back. I mean, you cannot point it directly, main, maybe straight away, like some uh, religious, spiritual. But um, I remember <clears throat> in my childhood for me, and then later in the teenage, somehow always uh, for me top of the of everything of like ideal of life like the highest accomplishment was nuns who were praying in the monastery all day long Mm -hmm. like like I had this uh, idea in the background this was like for me the top of everything I can imagine and um, but I don't think I had any inclination. I mean, I like to go to churches or something. It felt nice because in, in communist time, it was forbidden, you know. Mm. And uh, it felt nice, but otherwise no one to connect me or anything. So um, <clears throat> I would not point anything special, but this somehow, because... Later on, when I, for the first time, went to the first lecture I have heard, I was 24. Um, I could recognize straight away, it, it's my path on the first moment, in the first moment, because um, that company I was working for at that time, it was an IT company. My boss was um, invited a, uh, Hindu monk, like uh, at that time, uh, Indian. And um, he came, so uh, yeah, my boss invited uh, the whole company except for me because he was sure I would no chance that I could be interested. <laughs> and I just overheard during a lunchtime that, <clears throat> that uh, 
a Hindu monk is coming. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm going, I, I was already on for a search, on a search because somehow I got fast uh, material success. All my desires has been fulfilled at 23 and everything lost like sense. And I was thinking at that time, okay, if it's not, I mean, if, if material attainment cannot fulfill me uh, and I don't feel satisfied, I could see that every material goal I put in front of me will be just the same, another accomplishment. I could just see this progression, like it became very clear. Then it was a very simple logic. I thought, okay, if material thing doesn't bring me satisfaction, I should look for spiritual. So started a little bit to look here and there. Just wondering why your boss wouldn't have thought that you wouldn't have been interested. What was it about you that, that just curious? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was very ambitious. I've always been. And there, uh, to get this material success, I was really working a lot and I was very dedicated. All this corporate life was like exactly I was uh, dwelling into it like I was completely adapting <laughs> all this life so it was I mean you have to be really super materialistic very ambitious very pushy and everything to to get things together and I was very young and I was a woman and you have always to have negotiations with some successful much elder uh, man <laughs> which is not really the best idea, but uh, I think, yeah, that that would be the reason. Mm -hmm. I've never showed any interest whatsoever. So mm -hmm. I think uh, then, uh, so my connection was that when I heard this first lecture to which I went, um, it was a very interesting moment because um, he was, uh, speaking there about about the demigods first so he was saying demigods are like the ministers you have uh, like as you have ministry of transport of waters whatever so demigods are like responsible for different resources in the universe and then he said but there is one uh, god who is not responsible for anything he doesn't need to work or do anything and in this moment, I felt, oh, I know this God. I mean, deep inside, I just, oh my God, I know this God. Mm. And then he started to uh, describe him from far. He said, he didn't mention directly his name. No? He said just, he's playing a flute, he's dancing, he's wearing such and such clothes, he has a peacock feather. Mm. And then I was more and more like, like remembering I was like, yes i know this yes and then at the end he said his name is krishna i said exactly <laughs> and it was completely clear like because i was looking for half a year let's say for a spiritual path never satisfied with the other things but here it just clicked and it was absolutely clear and also the way how he was describing the philosophy, but also the emotion. 
I felt, oh my God, this religion is made for Russians. It's just perfect. Like all these ideals in, in their classical literature, one can see um, this philosophy with emotion. For me, it was like all this woke up inside from my childhood. And in this way, I just connected. And uh, I remember after the lecture, I went to a devotee and asked, uh, what shall I do to, to join this spiritual path? So she told me the four regulative principles. <laughs> she said, in order to join, you have to follow these four principles. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay. So maybe it will uh, take me two years to prepare myself, drop all these things and then join. But it just happened in in a month, like immediately. It was super fast. I didn't expect this to happen at all. (laughs) It was just like Krishna had other plans. It didn't discourage you. Like some people, they hear the principles and they're like, ah, I can't do that. That's it, you never see him again. But it didn't discourage you. No, it was just the opposite. It was like, okay, this that's the thing. So I have to prepare myself. I have to plan to see one by one how to go through this. I mean, it was very clear somehow for me. There was no, uh, it didn't matter what they would say there either. Thing. It was very clear. Like the connection was so strong. The click was like very strong so it was uh, no doubt um, for me somehow and how did you take to the chanting in the beginning how was that for you Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember after that uh, very soon uh, we were invited to a mela in hungary Um, there was a there is a congregation there um, of a uh, guru who passed away many years ago. Uh, actually, Guru Maharaj traveled with him to Bulgaria in 1989, he told me once. And Bhakti um, Bainar and Maharaj, they, they used to have, commu- I mean, they're both sannyasis from Srila Sridhar Maharaj, etc. So they were opening their temple in 2001 at that time in the summer. So I went there. And uh, it was like a month after that. And I met there my ex-guru. And uh, I was listening just to two days of lectures. And everything became very, very clear for me. And I also decided to go to Vrindavan uh, to see if this is my path. Like, I wanted to see it, the (laughs) heart of the spiritual path if if that's the like uh, to connect more somehow and there I got inspiration to start to chanting and my ex-boss gave me one japa because he he was chanting uh, already uh, one I say uh, mala not a job like but Manamaraj is correcting us on the (laughs) terms which we have mixed yeah a mala so, and uh, I started to chant and immediately I got some super mystical experiences because I've always been very greedy for mystical experiences. So mm. Krishna is always pro- have been providing me. So, yeah. 
and uh, yeah it was very very like uh, special and um, and then I went to Vrindavan <clears throat> and it really uh, it really felt like going back home and like really I was very lucky to to stay there for many months during the year always for Gorpurnim and for Kartik and Parikramas and uh, meet many amazing saintly personalities and um, had you had you left your job at this point and had you what, what was uh, the background mm -hmm. what was going on yeah it happened two years later <clears throat> like year after that uh i went to, yeah i i in that first time in Vrindavan, i recognized my spirit my first spiritual master at that time asked i asked for initiation he gave me initiation after that and uh a year later it came out that because we started <clears throat> with my boss this temple in bulgaria in the beginning but then uh the mission split it because um he was initiated with the Hungarian guru and like they decided to to split somehow the two gurus mm -hmm. so <clears throat> uh, I still stayed at the temple but I was traveling to I mean sorry the company I was still working I was traveling to India to South America whenever I can and then uh, I was given the service to start uh, the spiritual tours to Vrindavan. And uh, I was preparing for that. Uh, so I made a website, started to like make a program, what type of traveling to do, etc. Started to invite people, <laughs> everyone I could meet on the path. And um, actually two years later, I was ready with, everything like the website was done i had the first group and then with the first group i left the company <laughs> so i could uh, i went to vrindavan and um yeah, practically uh, little before that i have opened the temple when we split it and uh, <clears throat> alone and i started prashadam distribution also it was one of the other projects um I invited my mother to be the cook. Uh, she's a very good cook. She quitted her job and she joined wow. <laughs> to cook. <laughs> yeah. And she was she worked half a year and uh, and uh, she was cooking and uh, and I was very fanatical of course at that time and I was offering the food, didn't let her try the food before that ever. And she was very worried about it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in, in the, in the lunch, lunch breaks, I was, I was running to distribute also orders to those who has ordered. It was a little bit too much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, so you you have a nature of being very competent and good at organizing and Krishna used that in your 
in your spiritual life and he had you doing spiritual chores to Vrindavan and opening temples and amazing. I also remember a moment in Vrindavan in, uh, on my first uh, visit there. It was some test, like some type of, uh, because everything looked so nice, perfect, that's the thing. And then I remember because our two temples at that time, they were on the uh, two sides of Gopeshwar Mahadev. So mm -hmm. the Mataji Ashram uh, is just um, very close. And uh, there was a woman who was uh, singing uh, like for many hours every day. And it, it was, it was a heavy, like a, like a, almost crying, but it was like, at some point I felt, okay, that's it. I can't stand this anymore. And I felt like, okay, uh, this time I went too far. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's too much. And like, and uh, I felt I, I can't get more. It's, mm -hmm. I went too far this time. So when you, say, time. just to clarify, so you can clarify mm -hmm. for everybody, when so her her chanting or her singing or whatever it was was just too intense for you to hear or something, and it created some doubt in your mind about the path, like it may or or it was too made you feel like the path was too much or what? I'm not sure exactly if you could just mm -hmm. you know maybe. Explain. Yeah, she was like almost like crying, and it was very for many hours. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was not like that. Uh, yeah, it was not very clear in my mind uh, about the path. If if I have doubts or anything, I just felt okay. This what I had here. It's a little bit. I, I met my limit at some okay. point. And then uh, there was some internal uh, conversation, which I don't feel. I have asked the question, neither the question nor answered to them. It was like internal dialogue, but it was kind of, um, I don't know, as if somebody else was putting the questions and answering them. So I asked myself, uh, okay, if you cannot do that, if you cannot do, do this, then how, what do you want to do in your mm -hmm. life? So I answered, Okay, I cannot just uh, have a job and family. I mean, I cannot have this life. And then, okay, but then what you want? What kind of life you want? And I, I felt, okay, I have to dedicate my life to some ideal. And then the question came, okay, so what ideal? And then the answer was, well, there is no higher ideal than God. And then the answer was, okay, then if that's the, if that's the answer, you just stay here and do whatever sacrifices necessary to, to follow this ideal. So and the moment this came, I became very calm and all this thing was over and I could just continue without, like another panorama has opened kind of mm -hmm. like, Obstacles were somehow removed at that moment, which I felt. Nice, nice. Yeah, so, so the obstacle came 
and somehow internally you got help from somewhere to have that inner dialogue that was able to totally calm that frenetic energy or the fears that might have come up from from that situation so it's very nice yeah part and that's very much part of the whole um joseph campbell's um hero's journey is that these obstacles come but there's always some help that comes too and um, we certainly see that and in the, in the sadhaka's journey that yeah no matter how great the obstacles krishna seems to give a you know, um, the kind of help that will lift up, you know, help if, we're, if mm. we're really sincere, then we will get the help that we need to persevere and get through it. That's yes. a nice example, a really mm -hmm. nice example. Yeah, at that time, I started with the tours, um, bringing people, some of them became devotees. Mm. And um, that was the idea, of course, to preach. Um, it was also helpful because um, it was very difficult to be alone in the temple. I, I got a place which was a, a very old house, like 140 years old house. And there was a ghost there in the beginning. Oh <laughs> who left at some point things <laughs> like, but it was a big test. And um, I was reading a lot of Prabhupada books, of course, at that time. And it was very helpful because I was trying to, of course, imitate, <laughs> like I was giving lectures sometimes to the four walls um, if nobody comes to programs. And uh, in the beginning, more people were coming because, uh, yeah, in the beginning, it's, it's more easy. You invite all your colleagues, like customers, friends, whoever. But with the time, like uh, the constancy is difficult to maintain. So the first few years were a bit more difficult, but then with the time, somehow people started to come. <clears throat> and uh, uh, yeah, later on, when I was thinking about this period, because I lived there six years. And, and that, what were the dates between what years and what year? Yeah, like 2001, I joined the devotees. 2003, we opened the temple. That exact place was until end of 2008. Yeah. And then we moved to another temple. Uh, but yeah, and I would say I was very fanatical and also, when I look back, uh, for me, it's clear I didn't do this thing. I mean, later on, like, when I look back, for, I mean, it was some higher power had, had done it and used me. It was not me at all doing, I would not be able if that would be on me. For me, it's very, very clear. I would never be able to do this, which happened ever. Mm. And, yeah. uh, yeah, there we get that empowerment, you know, when we're aligned with the spiritual purpose, then that empowerment comes. And, and yeah, and if we start to think, I'm great, I'm wonderful, see what I can do. <laughs> see, yeah. how, see how fast the empowerment disappears. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so you you saw that you were had the humility to see it wasn't you and you couldn't have done it without well that. many years later in the beginning I was very proud and uh, for sure and I was uh, feeling like mm -hmm. I'm accomplishing things I was like <clears throat> very ambitious uh, I just continue with the same mentality what I had in material life I just continue same style in spiritual life just mm -hmm. applying the same way of thinking mm -hmm. but uh, somehow what I see um, valuable in all that is that although my motivation was not uh, pure or uh, I had all these external things I wanted recognition I wanted to be this and that uh, somehow um, you know like oh temple president or Pramacharini or secretary of your guru or whatever all the external designations right. somehow um that thing uh, also made me um, sacrifice and do things which I would never do otherwise. And this type of sacrifice and this that you invest so many years and energy and whatever in that, it also gives um, weight uh, to, to the whole path somehow. Although I, I didn't like... Um, after years after when I see look back and I, I see all the things which have happened, uh, it it feels very significant, very meaningful. Not all, all, only because of the ideal, of course, but I mean you have invested so much and it has become so much part of your life that you cannot imagine anymore to to live in another way. So it's like long time and more than a half of your lifetime and and things like that so uh, i think it gives also some support uh, yeah yeah and of course many valuable moments of the holy persons of the company of the devotees i i also remember at that time when i was still alone in the first years of the temple my service was because I was um, uh, I was working for a telecommunication company. So uh, my service was to to connect uh, my ex guru on the phone with different disciples which were passing away, like they were at the end of their life. And because this is so special moment when they're saying goodbye for, for the last time to their guru and things like that. And it was some amazing, amazing things were happening. I remember a very special moment. One woman, um, she was just a few hours before she left. And she said a very special thing that the clocks do not measure time anymore. They only measure love. The clocks are measuring the love. And this was so, um, it's a very strong experience. Um, like, it's amazing uh, to, to be connected in this so special moment. Yeah. I was doing this for two years. Wow. And um, this was also very valuable. And this was in Vrindavan also? 
you were doing this or were you in uh, this was when i was in uh, bulgaria in the company like the last two years before i left the company okay so you had become a devotee and it was the last two years and so you were doing the service kind of service in before i quitted the company yeah exactly and so you were you were working with people devotees only or was that others is not just devotees uh, that company was just a normal company it was like so 150 200 people so only my boss and me we joined from right so you were helping people in their last stage of life it's, it was all all kinds of people yes and you were helping These them were, mm-hmm. yeah and helping them connect with significant people in their lives is that what it was mm-hmm. no it was my service to my ex-guru okay my responsibility was to connect him to his disciples at the last stage of their life they were just okay. living okay. the moment so i was having like this telephone secretarial function okay yeah to okay. make connection between yeah I this see. is how i could listen to all these talks in the last right. okay life mm-hmm. okay so that was a service that you were doing and um but while you were still working in the company okay mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's clear. Well, that would have been nectar to be doing that, and I mean, really help you to keep the perspective of seeing death always in front of us. Like Prabhupada said, we should. Real philosophy means keeping death in front. That we know, yeah, this body is perishable. I don't have forever to live, and. So, yeah, I know devotees who work in hospice and it's, you know, they're doing end of life kind of services for people and devotees. Very, very powerful to help them go deeper with their spiritual life. Yeah, it puts things in perspective. Right. And, uh, yeah, other amazing moments were uh, meeting all the different gurus from Gaudiamat and mm. all these years in uh, our ex-mission, the really valuable thing was uh, how we could always have the connection and we could always go to the different spiritual masters and uh, listen to them, connect, it, it felt like one family, no matter if it was in uh, Vrindavan or in Mayapur. Um, like uh, also very valuable was to meet. I had a special blessing from uh, Shantamaraj, his disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Prabhupada. I met him in 2003 in Mayapur. He just opened his <laughs> temple at that time and... Um, also, Bhakti Vaibhav Puri Maharaj, Bhakti Balaptirta Maharaj. I mean, so many mm. like uh, valuable, amazing personalities, which uh, it's such a nectar. Also, Guru Maharaj, I met in 2007 in Vrindavan mm. for the first time. And uh, of course, I, I knew him. I, I was reading his books and his. Um, is an example, like, yeah, he's uh, followed uh, by many other missions. I mean, like, uh, 
the other missions we have here in Bulgaria, the Hungarian one. And uh, but uh, that time we, we met him for the first time with um, Padmanam Maharaj, Shyamananda, and Sevanidi. And um, I remember he was with Vrindaranya all the time. She was serving him. And uh, I was finishing some project, uh, some publication. I was like rushing to, to finish it. And then Vrindaranya came one day to the office and asked me, uh, can you please uh, give your computer because my guru needs to check his emails and things like that. And I was, I was so ambitious to finish my publication, but of course I knew that I, there is no way. I mean, I have to give my computer <laughs> the guru acharya. But I remember it was so difficult for me to give my computer. I feel such a shame. <laughs> what to do? I mean, that was my mentality at that time. But the yeah, thing so is that you did it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I knew. Krishna no knew. No. I mean, it's like some people it would be hard if a girl was, oh, can, can you give this money or something? No, I can't, you know, or whatever, but I have to. But so, you know, he knows our attachments and then he comes after us for those attachments. <laughs> so they were coming every day. So he was uh, using uh, the time for his emails. Mm. And I remember... Um, I was I was looking at Vrindarani and I was like, oh my God, if I can also be like uh, like her. I was so impressed that she was with shaved uh, head and with uh, brahmachari cloths. And I was like, oh my God, I also want to be like that. Like I was dreaming, oh wow. Like I was so impressed. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and uh, that time, uh, I know Padmanama Rajan Shyamananda connected. Um, Sevanidi also already from before, he was listening a lot to his lectures. And they started to uh, listen to him very much and connected with him and uh, accepted him as a Shiksha Guru at that time in the beginning. And yeah, he gave us a blessing. Sevanidi went to him and asked him, can you please bless us? And we were in his room and he, he, like, I've never seen him after like this, but he took very, like, a special position and he raised his hand and he said, I'm blessing, like, this guru position, like, it was very emotional, very, I say, exciting to see how he was giving us a blessing and uh, <clears throat> yeah and uh, also I that time around I, I got married in Vrindavan and um, this is also part of um, how to say um, the thing which connected me to Guru Maharaj because uh, my ex-husband he was listening to him like for 10 years, I was listening to his lectures in the background, mm -hmm. but they have always been very high for me. Like mm -hmm. uh, uh, the topics and uh, I was so external, <laughs> like uh, 
like running projects, doing this, that. <clears throat> and I couldn't understand. I mean, these are such a high topics. We're not there yet. What's the point? <laughs> I couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. So it took quite a long time, but somehow they've always been um, speaking uh, with Shamananda, discussing topics, uh, reading their following the threads on the on the internet about <clears throat> different discussions. So I mean, somehow he has always been part present there in uh, my life. But uh, I really got uh, to know that this is my guru uh, like two and a half years ago. And uh, it came through a dream. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Might not sound very serious, but somehow in my life, many of the things has been uh, revealed in this way. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are... Uh, he has been shown that this is my next spiritual master. And yeah, after some time I have, I wrote to him and he has accepted me very uh, generously, very mercifully. And, um, and um, I remember that it was very, very special. And um, he was like a, a source of immense mercy. So much mercy was coming from him that it was unbearable, <laughs> too mm -hmm. much, extreme, like um, also impossible to imagine how so much mercy uh, mm -hmm. is possible to, to be, to exist. And it was just mind blowing. It was like amazing mm -hmm. thing. And of course, a lot of messiness, which I haven't mentioned, maybe. <laughs> oh saving, saving the best for last, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot. And um, I mean, if the first uh, some years were like uh, very dedicated to temple life, traveling services, whatever, preaching, the family life was <laughs> real purification and mess, complete one. Um, somehow, um, I really needed to be beaten to pulp or something to, to change. <laughs> Maybe otherwise I would never change, but um, everything was falling apart. This is what I remember. Like whatever I was trying to do, to put together anything what I could so easily do before was falling apart completely, no matter what I tried to, to mm -hmm. do. So we tried Bulgaria, Sweden, here, they back to Bulgaria again, like back and forth. But um, my son almost died when he, he was free uh, from sickness. Um, then um, like it was, uh, everything was falling apart. And it, uh, I mean, I learned a lot uh, from my ex-husband. I'm very grateful to everything what Krishna put us through. Um, he was like, really, he, he doubled the yatra here in Bulgaria. He's a Sankirtan devotee preacher. And 
I learned a, a lot of philosophy and also how to treat people, how to behave, how to preach, many, many things on a deeper level. Uh, and uh, also at some point uh, it, it felt that it felt like that we we touched the the bottom like millions of times, like many many times, and I thought, okay, now we reached the bottom. We cannot go more down. Like now, I mean, somehow things should change, but now we were com continuing digging the bottom, <laughs> going to the more down and down, and mm -hmm. and I remember at some point I was so devastated that I asked. Okay, Krishna, we really tried our best to, to make a spiritual life. We came here for spiritual life and we ended up unable to maintain like the most basic things uh, like family, relationships and things like that. I mean, how it happened that we feel like lowest of the lowest, like of the last materialist on the street and we and this is our spiritual attempt like and then from very deep inside it came an answer everything is okay this is how it should be everything is fine and i felt so deep um, assurance that actually that's the way i mean we are not doing anything wrong that's correct the mistake is is, is right <laughs> and uh, this also helped a lot and also i felt so uh, uh, fallen that there were years at that time that i was looking at all the people around me and everyone um for me was higher than me like everyone people on the street colleagues at work or to speak of the devotees and this was very valuable to, um, like I stopped judging. I mean, probably I still judge, I cannot say, but it changed a lot. Stop judging people as it used to, like to, uh, how to say, to put tags, like, or to see what they do not do, but rather I was admiring everyone. I was thinking, I was like, wow, these people, they go to work, they uh, take care of their children. They can maintain relationship. For me, all these basic, I mean, understood as basic things, not so basic, they're full of difficulties and yeah. But any, any accomplishment was already like, oh my God, that's amazing. And this type of feeling, it's very valuable because um, it's very comfortable. Uh, it feels so good that you're not anymore someone or something important. And that's actually humbleness. I'm not saying that I'm humble or anything, but um, humbleness is super luxury and super comfort. That's the best uh, thing. And um, Somehow the suffering inevitably brings some type of understanding the suffering of the others, being more patient with oneself, 
with the others as well, and appreciating very much everything. Because before I was also only looking for accomplishments, ambitions, we just go forward higher and higher. <laughs> but it was somehow the direction was the opposite. <laughs> more down and more down actually brought you with more clear vision. What is it all about? Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I love the way you articulated it and so much a common theme in many, many devotees' lives, especially devotees who have a, you know, an achievement-oriented personality type that um, it seems like Krishna has to sit on us or crush us or break us to get us to come to the point of yeah, the humility, which is so important. I'm not, I, I'm nothing without you, Lord. I, I'm, there's nothing I have that's of any value without you. And so this, it's, I, I love the way you, you brought, brought all that out. And yeah, it seems like a, a, a ta those tests, I mean, I know in my own life, I've revisited those kinds of scenarios many times, <laughs> not just one time, but there's been many times along the way that, yeah, get those kinds of experiences. And yeah, it is, it's very liberating actually to not be um, thinking we're somebody. It's, it's, you know, I have something to offer. It's just, it takes a lot of pressure and a lot of, yeah, you just, you know, a lot of distraction out of, out of the heart. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> also, um, like uh, now as the devotees have uh, created this, uh, the other, followers of Guru Maharaj here in Bulgaria, they have <clears throat> made this uh, Sri Chaitanya Sangha Bulgaria. And um, it is so nice to, to share. It feels so natural because uh, in the previous mission where, where I was, I, I really needed those first 20 years, so to say, to be more externally, uh, because that was my consciousness mentality. And it was good that Krishna extended his hand in this way to that uh, he could meet us there where we were and pick us from there. And now it feels uh, much more to, to go inside and to establish oneself there. Actually, what helped me very much um, it was your seminar last year. Uh, on the chanting and um, I think it was in March if I'm not wrong the, the first one I attended there were several but and you helped me there very much because um, you were explaining like things which I have heard thousands of times for sure like to chant how to concentrate what not to do not like but then it entered so deeply that somehow I could hear all the time when I was chanting, I could see every point of what you have put there on your presentation. And um, 
and this more concentrated chanting gives um, so much like internal life and connection. And also what is very valuable, uh, Padmana Maharaj, she's always like uh, fine tuning, um, like uh, whatever you bring uh, so-called as accomplishment, you feel like you, you had something, you did something. He's like correcting in such a nice, like so special nuances there. He's like fine tuning. And this is so valuable because otherwise everything is so black and white, not like in this material consciousness I have that when these uh, very subtle nuances are pointed, uh, suddenly complete different panorama is uh, opening because these very small details, they really change the perspective. And you really have to go deep there, not like you cannot just, ah, this like this, ah, okay. Uh, it's not just an information, it's like special blessing coming from these special personalities. Yes, yes. And that's the, <clears throat> for us, that's, that's our greatest wealth is the association of saintly persons that can come into our lives and give us something that was totally undeserved and, and some experience of something of that other, other realm of consciousness and touch spirit. It's, yeah, it's what keeps us going. It's the, so very beautiful. Um, so what would you say are the most profound changes that you've seen in yourself? I mean, you kind of talked about this going from a very accomplished and, you know, achievement-oriented life and how that got broken down through adversity of just not just like Krishna just put up obstacles you weren't making you weren't able to have get the results of your efforts it seemed like you were just blocked 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 and that brought you to a to a place of sharanagati surrender in a lot of ways um what change what what other changes in your life do you see that have come as a result of taking to this path? Um, I can say that uh, I feel a bit more patient with myself, with the others as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, also not suffering so much as before, like not for such a long time, because somehow it becomes more clear that everything is given as a lesson like you can figure it out after some time what's the idea behind it and uh, and uh, like uh, not suffering so much or at least uh, suffering for a shorter time like not being in, in illusion so long like it becomes a little bit more fa faster clear what is this all about other still suffering, of course, but somehow. And um, uh, this that um, 
really admiring the devotees that um, if I would see myself before that I'm a devotee, <laughs> now I see myself as a black sheep in the company of the devotees mm -hmm. and um, like uh, they're very holy, very saintly. I mean, no matter what, no, like all this difficulty to be on that, on this path, no matter what everyone might do. And also, um, <clears throat> I was thinking about something special also, which came to my mind. Um, I think what is also very special is um, that Padmana um, uh, Maharaj is also speaking about this a lot in the Mela now in Bulgaria. He spoke all the time about embracing your subconsciousness. Because um, I used to be very black and white, like, and uh, first with my husband, we were like some, some pseudo avadutas. <laughs> we never both uh, bought any clothes, we were never locking. Uh, uh, doors in uh, or cars in Bulgaria, which is not a good idea. And we were like living as if Krishna is completely with us all the time and we are not depending on anything in, in this material life. We are above. <laughs> We're just preaching. We are just having temple practicing. And yeah. And um, but also um, this black and white idea brings a lot of feeling of guilt. Uh, and um, Maharaj spoke a lot about this in the summer. And with the time, <clears throat> I appreciate more the idea and turn more to it to not feeling so much guilty if I'm not doing something and a little bit more understand who I am, where I am. As Guru Maharaj also says, you have to know where you are what is your position mm. and before I couldn't accept my position <laughs> mm. but now it feels a very big relief um, in a sense that um, you accept where you are without wanting to be higher because <laughs> like, otherwise this ambition is always pushing you oh want to be high i have to be i no no maybe i'm a little bit better or whatever but now it feels such a relief this idea that you don't need to be higher you're exactly where you are and you need to accept where you are you need to accept this and do whatever you can here now nice, and nice. this also because this feeling of guilt was stopping me from chanting for for example, for some time, because I felt uh, dirty to touch my job, uh, my mala or something. And, or if, if the things are not perfect, that I get up at four in the morning, take a shower and just go through all my rounds at once. I thought, mm, then I will not do it. And such tricks of the mind. <laughs> but now it feels more, this is who I am. This is how I am. It doesn't matter whatever it takes. I just chant 
at any circum in any circumstances, any place, no matter what's the state of my consciousness, what I'm doing right now, what's my, I am in shape, I'm not in shape. This is also, I, I feel it's, it's valuable. Yes. I love that. Um, embrace, yeah, embracing our shadow side and like Paminava Swami, integrating complexities. <laughs> so, so many, you know, and yeah, the black and white thinking, I think it's, it's helpful, useful in the beginning of our journey, but then it can become, you know, get to the point where it can make us very hard hearted. And I think mm. that's kind of what I was feeling from you when you were describing it, that, yeah, doing things extreme austerities that maybe really then they, they were too much, too much for where, where you really were in your journey. Seen that, seen that, saw that a lot in the early days. I know when I joined that, <clears throat> It was almost like, you know, we were, you know, Gyan, Gyan is the practice of Vairagya, giving up things, you know, and um, a little bit of that's useful, but too much, yeah, it creates a hard heart. And, and I saw that in myself too, you know, I thought, you know, I wouldn't, in the very beginning, yeah, I didn't think I should wear shoes anywhere, and that was, you know, and I should just eat raw food, and I mean, everything that went against Krishna consciousness, they had to kind of turn me around a little bit, and, you know, it's not, this is, and then they started bringing me prasadam from every offering as a way to kind of help me get over my, um, some of my, my austerity, so I think, yeah, there was certainly, I think a lot of devotees come with that, a little bit of that nature of Vairagya. But you got yeah. through it. You got through it. What you say also, the hard heart, it's very strong. Like when we got our child with my husband, because mm -hmm. we were both in a very like this brahmacharya conscious idea uh we really didn't know what to do with this baby because uh we were running the temple preaching making programs tours whatever and a baby is not fitting mm. in this. it's not possible so we really twisted and turned like <laughs> for the first two three years we really didn't even realize that we are actually parents it took some time <laughs> and uh yeah we we didn't know what to do with with this baby. I remember when my, my son was three months old, uh, we had a God Purnima festival. I was alone at that time with my son because my husband was on a tour to Vrindavan and 20 people come, came to a program. So I left the baby in the other room with some other young girl so I could make the chanting there was no other devotees to to mm -hmm. run the program <clears throat> and i remember i i slept two hours that night because of the whole baby crying breastfeeding and everything so i i had to give lecture in the middle of the lecture baby start crying so i run to to the room they start chanting while i'm 
breastfeeding, then I run back to give a lecture. And it was some crazy idea of some devotion, like fake devotion, which <laughs> so external and so like insane at the same time. So like you lose even your mind in like most basic human things what you're supposed to be a human like and yeah that's really yeah, yeah some phase some period <laughs> yes yes and out of balance i think that's you know and it's easy to get out of balance and you know in certain environments you know like in in the early days that the temples were really places you could get out of balance really easily because that was kind of what was showcased as a good devotee or a great you know these are great devotees the ones that are leaving their babies you know going out and distributing books all day you know and um so yeah so a lot of mistakes but but like you had said that nothing really is a mistake you know i mean ultimately krishna's using our natures and he's it's all being you know arranged in such a way for us to make progress in bhakti and that's that's what we have to see you know here you are sitting here now looking back and there's a smile on your face like I made some progress. I have made some and significant changes. How you see significant changes in yourself and in your heart, and um, so that's the beauty of bhakti that it takes us further and further into the spiritual realm. And a very nice example of that. So any, any last words that you might want to leave the devotees with about what you might want to give them as, you know, a good advice from your, your experience? I would say to, to be in the company of the devotees in the association mm -hmm. with advanced devotees, that's uh, really the most valuable thing and it gives everything it gives um, taste and completely it changes everything and also all these valuable moments with uh, holy personalities even a glimpse of moment of their company i mean for that type of thing one can die like thousands of times and it's like no sacrifice like whatever we do as a sacrifice <clears throat> whatever we think we have lost on the way or anything uh, that's so valuable like to be in the company of the devotees especially those special ones <laughs> really advanced souls so that's for me yeah that's yeah. most I think that's, and, and I think, you know, our Guru Maharaj very often makes up that point that if you want to advance and, you know, he's like he says, again, he's, they, they advance through Vairagya and we advance by the association. They give up things, they give up relationships and we embrace relationships, but what kind of relationships, the ones that can really nurture us and help us, the advanced souls, so. And you're good at 
going where the nectar is. <laughs> You're embarking on a trip very soon to go to Costa Rica here. So to get some sadhu sangha, that's lovely. So I want to give the devotees a chance. I'm sure I'm looking at our list of participants. I'm sure there's some devotees out there um, that would like to maybe ask questions. So um, anybody that just unmute yourself um, if you have a question. And if it's on the Spanish side, just um, let Dr. Prem Das know. Okay, sure. Okay. I don't it was from Guru Maharaj. Right. Any other questions from the Spanish side? Okay. I just saw that. Um, anybody? Okay, we may not have any questions, more questions today, which doesn't mean it just means that the, um, the more extroverted devotees are off the call. <laughs> So anyway, I want to thank you so much for sharing what you did. And um, I'm sure a lot of devotees, the devotees that were on the call today got a lot from it. And um, there'll be a lot of other devotees listening to, the, to this as well. So um, thank you for being vulnerable, it's, you know, and coming on and sharing your story. And let's see, next week, we have um, a good friend, going to be um, Mitra Das, who he's actually on the call today. Um, he will be, will be interviewing him. He's a Prabhupada disciple who has been extremely helpful in um, Sri Chaitanya Sangha's mission in many ways. Um, he's a harmonizer and uh, works with all the groups. So he's a friend. Mitra means friend. And so we look forward to having him on and um, hearing his interview. And we'll, 
I guess, end here. And thank everybody so much for your participation. And uh, see you all soon. Hare Krishna. And if anybody wants to say hello, can say hello.